Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about our favorite spooky things. We've got a spooky one today. Kind of a sad spooky one. But before we get into that, it's been a little while, Corey. It has. Since we recorded, we're going into the spooky season. We'll be getting more spooky content out to y'all and ramping up. The summer's just too hot. God. (laughs) Miserable. Today, it was 100 and... Six feels like I had a f- coworker that had a a temperature sort of wand or whatever you can like laser you know you point and he oh, went out a temperature like, wand. wand whatever you don't know, you get a little electric thing you point a laser and it tells you how hot the surface is he went out outside and he found a car and the car was 170 degrees that's not that's not safe I told him he should have egged the car and then we could have had lunch after we just eat <laughs> that's too hot. It's too so, hot. Yeah, it's too hot. It's too hot. But we're back doing more spooky content. In our absence, Corey, how spooky has your your weeks been? Um, yeah, no, like pretty spooky some of the time. Um, I was on a mountain for a while again, and you know, it's just you're up there, you're on a mountain, you're like close to the moon. Like it's just every night's a little spooky, to be honest. You're not um, close to the moon, bound yeah. spooky. <laughs> I actually a friend of mine and I went absolutely feral during the last full moon. Like we were. <laughs> All right. I'll tell this story. This will be my your week. Feral. We were just like hanging out outside and it was a full moon and it started like a normal chill hang. And then it, it was just me and her, too. It was just two of us. And like we were just full of energy, rocking that full moon energy. And we were like dancing and yelling and running around and then we went for this like long walk along the road which like i said we're at a top of a mountain this isn't a road that is super occupied late at night like at all and so we just like started walking down the the moonlit path and we like had this joke (laughs) about like uh like moon offerings like, what is your offering to the moon? And like getting really aggressive with people about it. We were walking down the road and then this truck came up the road and it started to like slow down next to us. And we were like, nope, nope, nope. nope. And we just, so we just, we just like turned around and kept walking the other way. And it, it didn't stop fully. It just like kept driving and then like as it kept driving we got into the road and we chased the truck down you you avoided it (laughs) and we were like we didn't chase it down but we like after it like passed us we like started chasing the truck and we were like like what is your offering to the moon like we went literally like full feral witch vibes like that's an app story for today's. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so yeah, that was that was a fun night um a while back, last full moon. Yeah, also I kind of mentioned did some some ghost hunting in a in a burnt down lodge, which yeah. was very spooky. I have some great photos from that. Uh just literally just burnt to shit, like very, very not safe environment. 
but yeah, just like a lot of cool stuff. Like my favorite photo is actually this like half burnt lamp. Mm -hmm. That's just like, like someone said it just like on the floor, like in the hallway. And it's half burnt. Yeah. And it's like, half like like that right down the middle. No, (laughs) well, kind of the lampshades like all burnt and it was just set in like the middle of the hallway, like all burnt to shit. And it just it's really spooky, but like kind of aesthetically very interesting. And then, yeah, stuff like, you know, mirrors were like on the floor and like just 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 wreckage. Not ideal. Um, Not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But some really cool images came out of that ghost hunt. Didn't run into a ghost. The lodge has been said to inhabit a ghost for many, many years. Um, And there were there were stories of just when I was just up there during the time I was up there. One of my friends was saying how the music that we play in the restaurant was getting turned back on in the middle of the night and no one knew how it was happening. Was having so. a jam sesh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like my friend too, who is just, just such a sweet hearted, like kind person. He's really good with like animals and flowers and just like very sweet and sensitive. He like, he like had like a relationship with her. Like apparently she was like turning the music back on and he like, he would be like, no, it's time to go to bed. Like, and she would like, <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> it's 2 a.m. Yeah, absolutely exactly. not. <laughs> exactly. I still haven't met her, but like, I don't know, you know. So, yeah, some 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 ghost phenomenon, uh, some weird being um, enchanted by the moon, just living a spooky life. <laughs> I would say that's spooky. Yeah, you're you got some real life. I'm glad that didn't happen to you in 18 or 1692. Right. I'd be, I mean, I would be, I would be in, in a rough place if it, if it was puritanical New England. And you were running around demanding <laughs> what their offering to the moon was. Yeah. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> There's no coming back from that one. It really isn't. There really isn't. Um, how about you? How spooky has your week weeks been it's been pretty good it's been pretty spooky saw a bunch of movies nope saw nope in theaters mm-hmm, nope so mm-hmm. uh, gosh darn good um there is really loved nope what else i i'm seeing bodies 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 this week Ooh, i'm very excited i want to see that i can't wait for that just listening off of these looking at my letterbox what have i been watching uh prey on hulu so good. Have you seen Prey? Have you even heard of Prey? It's a new Predator movie. And it's set hundreds of years ago in Northern Plains, America. It follows the Comanche tribe and this young woman uh, who's trying to prove herself to be a warrior. And then wouldn't you believe it? The Predator lands on planet Earth. And we <laughs> all know that. Would you believe it? Would you believe it? Predators that, you know, he's, it hunts for sport, looks for the biggest game and tries to take it on, you know? And so you watch the movie like finds a wolf like this must be the biggest thing nope finds a bear this must be the biggest thing finds man man's and then you know it's fucking rad if you think of like ultimate underdog story against predator this is it it's rad super cool had a blast uh it's free on hulu check it out pray speaking of hulu i watched a horror movie last night that was which which very disappointing unfortunately oh uh they slash them i heard it was bad i didn't watch it it's 
not good. <laughs> like, and and you want it to be good because it's a really so- it's a pretty solid concept. That's it's like queer horror. Kevin Bacon? I fucking Kevin love Bacon. Kevin Bacon. No. Like, Big old noggin there on the poster. Yeah, right? Kevin. I love, like, I'm not going to lie. I love the imagery. I love this, like, iconic queer horror film starring Kevin Bacon. Like, I'm into everything about that. Like, love it. What a vibe. Uh, I I was disappointed, um, but also, like, I'm glad I watched it. Like, yeah. it was like, because I... I heard it was bad too. And then I was like, but I need to watch this kind of I'm a thing. I'm still going to get around to seeing it for sure. It's it was definitely, yeah. it's definitely camp in yeah. a lot of ways. So like yeah, what I've heard, I've heard from a few people, they say it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and I don't know. I think it, it's definitely just one of those instances where it's like, it could have worked a lot better, you yeah. know, like it's like we had some really good parts and it could it could have worked a lot better mm. but that's a shame it, you never want, it want yeah, it spooky especially a that kind of movie to fail um yeah. i think i'm still gonna watch it but yeah I want my own should. opinion yeah i don't know i wanted um, it to be good what was really good though i watched full like binged it sandman on netflix oh uh, i need to watch yeah. oh, as you know huge fan of sandman over here love sandman Love this, love the comics so much. This comics is a 10 volume series. And this 10 episode show covers about the first two volumes. So like really loyal to the comics, beautiful how they've imagined things and adapt different things. Cause the comic is this otherworldly huge idea thing that you're like, you just can't film this. This only exists within comic pages of just like mm-hmm. crazy psychedelic colors and ideas. Um, the way they've found the way like vehicles to streamline it and actually tell it's really good. Highly recommend Sandman. Cried two, three, five <laughs> times. Who lost count? Love it. <laughs> Love Sandman. Um, so highly recommend that. Yeah, that's it. that's high up on my list right now for sure. Um, and that's that's kind of it. Uh, I oh, what we do in the shadows? Been catching up on that. Oh, of course. What we do in the shadows? I so badly want to adopt Baby the child <laughs> that crawled out of the chest cavity of Colin Robinson. As Colin my own. Robinson. I want to raise that child <laughs> as my own. Hey, Laszlo, guess what? I I was worried at the end of last season when we like quote unquote maybe lost Colin. I was like, no. And we were given something much better. <laughs> we were. They they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Should just never just doesn't miss. It it's, really does. We're in fourth season, right? This is the fourth season, right? Yeah, this is the fourth season. It's still like the only show on TV that I will like every episode guffaw laughing. Mm-hmm. You know? It's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah, I've I think I've watched we're four episodes into season four. And I think I've watched all of them like three times already. It's, so good. Like, it's, so it's good. just, it's my, it's probably my number one comfort show at this point. Like, it's just like, can't figure out what to watch. Well, put on what we do in the shadows. Well, well, like, yep. It's so good. It's so good. It's just, uh, such a treasure. It's I feel treasure. so grateful to live in a world. I saw, I saw recently, uh, uh, interview with Matt Berry who plays Laszlo and he was saying that he was in LA recently and people in the street will just yell bat at him yeah. bat. <laughs> and he he'll say 
in London in the UK. It's the show is a a, a moderate success, to put it politely. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not. <laughs> <laughs> but here it's nuts. People love it. People um, do love it. It's great. I Even like I, people, I yeah. feel like I talk to people that I do not expect to be like, like, cause obviously we're the target audience. Correct. But like, I talk to people who I do not expect to be. And they're like, that show is so, and I'm like, yeah, like it has a mass appeal. Like it really does. Uh, in, in like unexpected ways. It's so good. So it's good. so very good. I just love Matt Barry too. My God, that is a. I think he might be the funniest man I, I currently <laughs> am aware of. I feel like <laughs> me watching Laszlo Matt Barry is like what I feel like older generations loved about Rodney Dangerfield. Like he, you could just like cry <laughs> laughing at him. That's Laszlo just saying anything. Oh I'm yeah, already His on delivery the is just yeah. like always impeccable. Like, um, God, there was one of like the most recent episode or no like the first episode there's there's one where he just like is talking to Guillermo and he just he says something like the boy and like the way he says it <laughs> the boy and the boy it's just like the way he delivers simple lines is just like oh it's so good cry laughing yeah. cry laughing at that guy um, sounds good. Good spooky vibes. Good spooky uh, witchy adventures. A lot yeah. of great spooky content out there. We're 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 cooking. We're, we're, go- we're we are good cooking, over here. And we're rolling into the spooky season. And I guess just to update the audience with what's going on, we're rolling into the spooky season. And I uh, am heading out to spooky New England for the rest of the spooky season. So you and I are both going to be. In the in the general area, in the general vicinity, and and we'll get to enjoy and make content um, in New England in the fall. Like what a great place to be for literally uh, no place better to be than New England in the fall. (laughs) Yeah. So we're we're, I will fight um, somebody about that. (laughs) I'm going to be in Massachusetts, which is actually a great segue to today's today's topic (laughs) yeah uh because doing spooky stuff in massachusetts today big big time fun Uh, oh yeah great time uh, doing (laughs) uh, spooky stuff in 1692 which is what today's episode is on big old bummer um but we're gonna get into that in a second interestingly interestingly the reason it's super fun to do spooky things in massachusetts today is directly tied to this bummer <laughs> and they had a bad um, time so we could have a great time they really did they, oh my God. <laughs> they had a bad time so we could have a great time <laughs> no disrespect for lots of respect in this episode oh mm-hmm. yeah no disrespect but also like you're gonna have to i think be okay and sit in the uncomfortable space that is um dark tourism yeah right like yeah because yeah, yeah. that is that's i mean that's something we talked about in our last trip to salem i think on the youtube video we got into a, a nice discussion about it for spooky people for spooky aficionados salem massachusetts is a destination and it's um a destination for so many reasons like it's a a, a really amazing place to go in the month of october um but that also all stems from a giant tragedy so so yeah that's i guess maybe just to preface this whole episode 
you know, not not to make light of any of the tragedy. We we, uh, you know, honor those who um, had a bad time and Mm -hmm. went through something absolutely awful. And at, at the same time, you know, we're approaching this from a very different vantage point and reality now. Yep. So and you got to laugh. You just you got to you got to laugh. And a lot of this is so fucking absurd that you have to laugh. It's rough. It really is. It's it's wild. It's wild. I mean, it. Like, I don't know how much detail we'll get into. We're definitely not going to be able to hit every little subsect right. of this story. We're going to have a conversation about it. Pick our things that jumped out at us. Yeah, but it, the story of the Salem Witch Trials is definitely uh, reality is just way more absurd than fiction. kind mm-hmm. of Because it's just it's so weird. It's so weird on so many levels. The more you look into it, too. It's like, wait, what? what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly, truly. But yeah, so today we are talking about the Salem witch trials, the um, the infamous witch trials of New England, Salem, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. We're all familiar to some extent. Yeah. Before we do that, do we want to do we want to do a little book club follower shout out more than anything? So we have a book club here at the happy harvest horror show we sure do this month we're reading the paul bearers club by paul tremblay it is his newest book paul was the author of a head full of ghosts which was our first book club book and we are revisiting paul because we have been doing the book club for one whole year yo it's wild that it's been a year it does not feel like it is yeah, because time doesn't exist anymore, like <laughs> at all. Truly, <laughs> like, time Truly. is not real. Like it doesn't operate the same anymore. Like I literally feel like, yeah, like that was like yesterday, but also it was 15 years ago that we right. read that book. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how uh, we, it was a couple books ago, right? That we started like, no, it was 12 books ago. We we're yeah. 12 books into this thing, which is exciting. You know, yeah. thanks for everybody for joining our, you know, this book club. It's a fun little monthly project. You get a group to read spooky books with. And then if you'd like to join us for the discussion, you can, if you support our podcast, you just go to anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support and support at any level. And we'll send you that golden link to get into that highly coveted zoom discussion meeting (laughs) (laughs) it's great too we have like we have a a nice consistent group going like it's big fan big like like i feel i don't know i feel like my like book club friends are they're real life friends at this point like book club is is a meeting of pals for Mm -hmm. sure (laughs) so come on in we're eating the paul bears club the next book club is going to be august 31st 8 p.m eastern time and that's going to be the last day of August. Then it'll be September. A pumpkin spice latte will be here by then. There's, There's a no local place. It. There's a local place here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I am at this exact moment that does a fucking fabulous pumpkin spice latte all year round. So I've year been round drinking. I've been drinking pumpkin spice lattes oh, for weeks. I had one yesterday. It was so good. Fuck. <laughs> I know, right? They also do an amazing, uh, it's an avocado caprese toast. 
So I, it's not I'm very just, pumpkin-y. <laughs> no, but I'm just being a millennial. Is oh. what I'm saying. <laughs> That's why you can't buy a house, right? <laughs> My PSLs and my avocado toast. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So book club, if you'd like to support, please do so. Just like all these wonderful other supporters, we got Jenny, Julia, Alessia, Nina, Julia, Anna, Jennifer, Katie, Karen, Kelsey, Connor, Cody, Jody, Wendy, Holly, Sarah, Erica, Michelle, Mackie, Sarah, Ariella, and Aaron. You are all so Freaking cool. Thank you so much for supporting our podcast. And if you'd like to join again, that's anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support. Boom. Without further ado, Corey, let's let's talk about uh, Salem Witch Trials. <laughs> let's do it. Salem Witch Trials. Um, let's, I guess, kind of start with, let's start with the numbers. Let's start with the I think the bear. that's important numbers. <laughs> Which it is. I think it I'm going to, I'm going to reference this book a lot. There's this great book more about this, the town of Salem itself and what a, like a, a phenomenon Halloween in Salem has become. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called a season with the witch by JW Ocker. It's a really fun book. I highly recommend it. And in the opening chapter, he gives some numbers about like what a kind of a weird phenomenon this is that in the grand scheme of witch hunting in general, you know, witch hunter general, Uh, (laughs) witch hunting in general, (laughs) witch hunter general, full core. In Salem, there were just under two dozen deaths. There were a couple hundred people tried and imprisoned, but 19 people were killed. 19 were hung. Oh yeah, you right. Yep. So more than more than 200 were accused. 30 were found guilty. 19 were hung. Five died in jail. And one was fucking crushed to death. Pressed. He was pressed, literally pressed to death. We'll get into our homeboy Giles here in a second. But oh, those... yeah. we, I think we, we have plenty to say about Giles. But yeah, so once again, 30 found guilty, 19 hangings, five died in jail, one crushed. Which is not to like minimize the, the horrible tragedy that happened. It's just interesting to think in the larger scape, like the, the sense of history when witch hunting in, in, in general, that the two centuries that preceded this in Europe, there were, uh, the, the, uh, this book estimates anywhere from 50,000 to 200,000 deaths in the 200 years. There are monuments all over the place. Germany, there's a monument for 450 victims in the fi- late 1500s. In Spain, there's a whole museum dedicated to its rich trials in 1609. There's, there's all these, Salem is not exclusive to this instance and in fact it's kind of strange if you think about like in the, in the large world what is which city at least of america but what we think about in a large sense salem gets the most attention just button running the numbers it's had the the least fatalities you know what i mean i think yeah. it's, it, it's 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 a curious thing i uh, think because like because i mean you're 100 right but the salem witch trials were such a like there's such a stain on American identity, you know, they're so integral to how we think about puritanical new England, Mm -hmm. which is the beginning of America big quotes there in terms of like colonized America. Right. 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 And, and there's a huge, I mean, there's a huge relationship there 
as well, the like puritanical ideology and colonizing and how Native Americans were treated, like all of that is tied to the Salem witch trials. So I think even though the numbers are vastly smaller than what we think about on like a bigger European scale, it, it it's just been so so intensely studied and looked at as this really kind of crazy just happening in the very early stages of yeah colonized United States. One thing that I think is important to point out too, just to emphasize like how big of a deal it was like witchcraft in general. So we had like I said, 30 people found guilty. Um, what was it? 26 people killed in the Salem witch trials. However, throughout the course of the 17th century, less than 20 people outside of the Salem witch trials were executed for any other reason throughout the entire century. So more people were in the U.S. in Massachusetts. Well, oh, Massachusetts. I was like, U.S.? That's a huge. Statistic. And I'm like, <laughs> no, in Massachusetts. Yeah. So more people were were executed in Massachusetts in the 17th century for witch trials than for any other reason. And, and this is including murder. This is like like witches were the most executed of people in Massachusetts in the 17th century. Like witchcraft was worse than murder, straight up. I mean, definitively, right? Yeah. There's, we're going to yeah. get into it, but there is, we'll get into it later, but we'll have a person on here who did commit murder, got a slap on the wrist, was associated with witches, got pressed to death. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> you know? Can't be having that. Yeah, so so it really was... I think the the witch trials in Salem, they represent in a different way than maybe some other like witch trial hysteria. It it represents a, a true like, yeah, hysteria that that took over an entire community in a very like all encompassing way. Like it was that's all Salem was at the time was like witch hunting, basically. <laughs> and like everyone was caught up in it in some way. Right. Whether you were someone being accused or whether you were like one of the young girls who was, mm-hmm. you know, having fits, whether you were it, like everyone was a part of this big drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's that the this witchcraft craze, uh, this, like I said, modest estimates of what, 15,000 deaths yeah. happening. Yikes. Uh, and that was in the, the few centuries leading up to the 1600s early America. So, I mean, the, the fear was already there. That's already coming over. Just like you got residuals of rituals and the Halloween and different things. You also got like prejudices and fears that are also coming over. Yeah. And also, I mean, like puritanical New England, like pure puritanical thinking is religious extremism. And yep. it is fucking drenched in fear like these you know like puritanical christian new englanders were so fucking primed to be afraid like (laughs) they were ready they were ready for it it. (laughs) um so yeah what's uh we got salem here how did these start these these witch trials because we you know what was ground zero you know what i mean what was the <laughs> patient zero patient zero um you know 
it, it really like that really is a good question because I think you could speculate in so many different directions. But the the typical narrative, like what, you know, the way the story is typically told is that it started with the daughter and niece of Reverend Samuel Paris, mm-hmm. who was a reverend in Salem. Puritan reverend and his daughter, Betty Paris, who is nine and Abigail, his niece, Abigail Williams was 11. And they basically started they started having these fits like that's the way it's often described where they would scream and they'd cry and they'd crawl around and throw things and like distort their bodies and just like just really intense physical fits. And so, you know, they bring the doctor in and it's the 1600s and the doctor didn't understand what was happening. So he would obviously diagnose it as witchcraft, like witchcraft must must be what is at work here with these young girls having these fits, Mm -hmm. like whether it's them engaging in witchcraft or It's witchcraft being like, you know, worked upon them, which is important to recognize because I think one of the theories, you know, is that the stories that these girls that were having fits began to tell might have been in self-preservation because had they not started to blame others, like pointed towards others for the witchcraft, they would be seen as the source of the witchcraft themselves. Right. So that's kind of where this like hysteria began was with these two young girls. And to further put in more context, can't emphasize enough the puritanical rule here. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you really can't. <laughs> you can't. And that there was just coming over to America, a lot of puritanical people in power that are opposing Church of England things that are. So there's a lot of quarrels happening. There's there's fights over land rights and things that like it was a it was a bubbling pot uh, people it was were just tumultuous kind of tumultuous so not to mention you do have you know it's fucking new england in the 17th century you have ongoing violence between colonizers and native americans yeah. you know like they are like kind of at war with each other you know so that yep. is something that everyone's having to deal with like not a great time as well <laughs> right here. no i've said it before and i will say it like say it Till the day I die. Uh, Puritanical New England sounds like the single worst place to exist. (laughs) Like, I just like, I, the worst, I don't know, just the worst vibe, like the worst vibe on like every level. Cause obviously, historically, horrific things have happened all over the world for all of time. We know this, but Puritanical New England on top of all of that is just so repressive and so like, sad and so like you know there's just no so there's no outlet to actually like process or express any of the horrors you're actually enduring yeah and it's just so like it just seems it just seems awful on like every level (laughs) it really just seems bad and like I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like no wonder all of this happened. Like the the people were were being flooded with fear and they had no healthy outlets of expression like at all, really, like because it was just not 
it was just not a playful place. Like it was not a place where you could healthfully express anything about your about being a human, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and that's going to lead to things boiling up and expressing themselves in other ways that are super harmful, like a mass hysteria that leads to witch trials. Not good. (laughs) Not good. (laughs) Getting back to the the young girls, right? So they were having fits. They were making strange sounds. They were contorting themselves in strange positions. They complained about being pinched and pricked with pins. And so they brought in a doctor, William Griggs, who could find no evidence of any ailment. He was like, all good. I don't know what's going on here. And then other young women in the in the uh, village started behaving or exhibiting similar behavior. There was controversy too with, you mentioned Reverend Samuel Paris. He was Salem Village's first ordained minister and he was disliked for his rigid ways and greedy nature. I'm reading this from the Smithsonian Magazine uh, article about the Salem witch trials. And so the puritanical villagers believed all the quarreling was the work of the devil. Thanks to this, this guy, <laughs> this guy <laughs> that he's patient zero and his yeah. daughter, Elizabeth Paris, age nine and niece, Abigail Williams, 11. When they started having their fits, people were like, Oh, this makes sense. Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there, but after they were having these fits, Three women were blamed for afflicting them. We had Tichuba, which was Paris's, Reverend Paris's Caribbean slave, Sarah Good, who was a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, who was an elderly, impoverished woman. So just pick your your, your three easy targets yeah. of fucking um, puritanical rule New England. Yeah. And I think, and that's um, an important thing to recognize too, is, is so that these are the first, you know, the first three women to get accused And it kind of starts out how you'd expect a witch trial, like witch hysteria to start out. All people who can be, you know, considered outcasts in some ways, marginalized folk, you know, in various different ways. What is strange about the Salem witch trials is that it definitely did not stop there. Um, The hysteria got to a point where were people who were very much enmeshed with the community who were straight-laced Christian folk that were part of the community were being accused. And that is kind of like an outlier situation. Like that's not typically how like witch trials go, you know, the fact that it snowballed into, yeah, not just the more marginalized folks, but it was the people who never, you know, never could have seen themselves being accused as witches were also being accused tried some of them hung which yeah i think is another reason why the salem witch trials like stand out um is because it really like represents how this community just like snowballed in in fear and yeah like terror surrounding this this uh threat this this very vague threat of witchcraft you know right right which led, yeah, so, so we, we got those three women. Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne both claimed innocence after days of interrogation, but Tichuba confessed that, quote, the devil came to me and bid me serve him, which we were talking before the episode. We do pure speculation on our side, but like, if you look at the history of interrogation techniques, I don't know. <laughs> Very well could have been, hey, say this, quote this. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I pretty much think that they were being tortured and she did what a lot of people do under those circumstances and said what they wanted to hear. It was the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil uh, made me do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, ha, you've said what I want you to say. Now we will get you. Yeah. <laughs> now we're now we're really going to get you. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, this is a common quote phenomenon, even though it's like not even a phenomenon, like interrogation is messed up because interrogation tends to cause people to yeah, admit to things that are true. Yeah. You know, like it's it's a very like at this point, we know this. We know this to be real. And especially at that time in yeah, interrogation techniques were just really violent and awful and terrible. So they still uh, are. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> no, they still are, but they were, you know, the the level of torture that was like okay by like by like uh, judicial standards was right. like pretty wild back then. So, yeah, we have these women being tortured to the point of probably saying what some people wanted to hear as far as, you know, as far as why the girls were having these fits, where this actually came from. We can speculate in so many different directions. Some people think they were faking it and they, you know, were being um, being kids. Yeah, they were just like being kids and kind of being malicious kids at that. There's a theory I love. I feel like during this time frame, there's always an an ergot poisoning theory. Whenever always. some oh, there's always someone's like, "But what about ergot?" Um, which it's like that it, meme with the butterfly is this yeah. ergot poisoning? <laughs> so good, <laughs> right? Anytime there's a mass hysteria in the 17th century. <laughs> Is this ergot poisoning for real? Um, So there's an ergot poisoning theory that, you know, the girls were having fits possibly because of ergot poisoning, which if you don't know, ergot is um, was a very common like uh, like mold that would occur in bread. And it had it was not good for you. Like it really would fuck with your body and also had like a psychedelic effect. So it gets pointed to a lot whenever there are these big, mysterious historical happenings. Yeah, there's this idea that ergot poisoning had something to do with both the girls fits and then also just the the way people responded in terms of like witch hunts and like, you know, people claiming they're seeing things and like the, the spectral energies and all of this. If all of these claims were uh, rooted in a reality, it might be because they were being like poisoned with a psychedelic compound, which I must say, puritanical New England in the 17th century is objectively the worst place to do psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> like set worst and setting, my friend. ever for that trip. You <laughs> the know? worst place to be doing psychedelics. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, so that is one theory as to kind of what set this off. The theory that honestly I think is the most likely and, and seems to be one that is gaining a bit more traction as 
we grow as people and give more and more weight to mental health issues as real issues is the idea that essentially like these fits were the result of almost like a PTSD for some of these girls, like Mm. because some of them had had witnessed some really intense violence um, in their younger years. And then also on top of it, like Salem wasn't like really a chill place. There was there was ongoing violence happening in a lot of people's homes. You know, it wasn't right. like it, it wasn't the healthiest community in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of evidence that points to the possibility of physical violence, of sexual violence, of like a lot of things that some of these girls may have been victim to. Right. And um, in a place that is run by puritanical thought, there is really no healthy, safe way to express that. No. So for it to then come out in a purely physical fit, um, is is very likely like it makes a lot of sense actually for your body to then have to express trauma what have you in that way so it is possible that some of these girls maybe not all of them but some of these girls that were experiencing these quote-unquote fits were processing trauma the uh, 17th century mind needed to point to a bad guy, right? To a yep. reason. And yeah. also it's distinctly possible that some of these men in power, i.e. reverends or God, different. You hate a reverend. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, different, just different men in power in puritanical New England may have been the ones that were inflicting certain traumas onto these girls and therefore they needed to protect themselves. So they would point outwards to the witches, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. So yeah, not a great place for mental health help. (laughs) Uh, Instead, great place for paranoia. And like you mentioned earlier, so these three, these three women are, were, you know, being interrogated. One has now uh, admitted that the devil made me do it. You mentioned earlier that they started going for each other, which was un- unusual that they, Martha Corey was another important one. She was a loyal member of the church of, in Salem Village, greatly concerned with the community. And she was brought and charges were brought against her. And so suddenly it was like, well, shit, if she could be in cahoots with the devil. like Yeah. And I heard, I heard a few different reasonings for, for why uh, Martha Corey, uh, was tried or accused one of them one of them was that there were one of the younger people like one of the younger girls uh claimed that they had seen a specter of martha Corey like at at some point and she was like forcing them to do bad things or something and um, that was one one story i heard but then there's another that Martha Corey essentially just like criticized some of their methods. For example, one one of the really fun methods for determining if someone was a witch, uh, they would bake a witch cake and a witch cake is when the person being accused of being a witch uh, will pee and then they take the they take the piss and they bake it into a cake. And then they feed that cake to a dog 
And depending on how the dog reacts, that's how you know if the person is a witch or not. And I heard like one of the potential reasons that Martha Corey was getting accused was because she was criticizing the like piss cake method. essentially. <laughs> and they Sounds were like, like witch well, you must be a witch then. <laughs> what do you got against this method? Are you scared? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, it was also interesting. You mentioned earlier with dreams with Martha Corey. I mean, they even questioned Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter at this point, And her like timid answers were like, aha, confession. Like she's four years old. It's yeah. not until much later we're going to get into this that we have people starting to come out and go like with Martha, like maybe we shouldn't like allow spectral evidence in these trials. No, that's literally my favorite. I like have it in capital letters. Like that's like my favorite phrase from all of this is spectral evidence. That was fully admissible. That was a real thing. Testimony about dreams and visions. Yeah. A spectral evidence is actually not evidence at all. It's just someone saying they like, saw a ghost basically (laughs) i had a dream last night about this sounds like a witch to me yeah exactly so and this was fully admissible if someone claimed they saw something spectral like yeah basically like an apparition a ghost if like they saw the the specter of someone in town sitting on their chest one night yeah so spectral evidence which sounds like an absolute judicial nightmare. Correct. Just, which can you, yeah. Can you imagine in modern day court? Like if we were just like, if we were just allowing this stuff willy nilly. <laughs> It'd be crazy. I mean, like the, today's court isn't much better. You know, oh, no, I, like, it's, it's terrible. Lot, okay, it's <laughs> lot, I don't know a lot better, but it's better. I mean, like I, I always think about the jinx, you know, with the, the HBO show about Robert Durst. And in the, the trial where real life fucking serial killer, he, he cut up this this person's body after he was died and put him in like in a suitcase was trying to get away. And in the trial that he was on for about this murder, uh, his lawyer was like, you can only prove that he cut up the body. You can't prove that he killed the person. And he got off. <laughs> That is an argument. That is right? an argument. And like, that's the nature of like what's still going on in court. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I, I, we could go on all about like the, the sham that courts are now. Oh, no, that's yeah. that's going to take me in a completely different yeah, direction. Yeah, we don't need to go there. I'm just, just like, <laughs> I, like, I'm I not have... that much better is what I'm saying. No, no. I, yeah, I mean, I can, oh, God. I can, I can criticize our entire justice system for a very long time. Because at least, I mean, at least with that, like murderer's defense, they're like, he he really is creating a defense based off of material evidence, right? Sure. Like, Versus what do like you do? Dreams. Yeah. What do you do when you open the gate to their, to the allowing of spectral evidence? Like that is so like <laughs> literally opening up, literally opening up another world to the case. You like, lost the I plot like, at that point for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't even know what to do. I would just give up. I'd be like, I have no idea where to go with this. Yeah. So spectral evidence that, I mean, that I feel like that's a concept for like a TV show, like ghost court or something, you know? Ghost court. <laughs> Like a court, like, like it'd be like a court mockumentary show, but like it with spectral evidence. I don't know. It's an idea. Um, (laughs) 
I like it. I like it. What I Thank don't you. like is that, that this, the, the spectral evidence uh, worked. Dozens of people from Salem, Massachusetts, after you know all of this, were brought in for questioning and charged. And so finally, we got to Bridget Bishop, who was the first person to be found guilty of witchcraft. And on June 10th, became the first person hanged on what is now called Gallows Hill. Before, while in questioning, she said, quote, I am as innocent as the child unborn. Which, damn, I mean, that, that defense might actually hold up today. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in these fucking courts. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and five days later, after, so we, we've now fully, we've killed someone. Bridget Bishop, tragically, has been wrongly killed. We finally have a minister, Cotton Mather, writing a letter employing the court not to allow spectral evidence saying, what are we doing here? This we have now killed somebody on October 3rd, following his son's footsteps, the president of Harvard, Mr. Mather said, quote, it would be better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let all the witches go. Well, cause I think, I mean, I, one thing, that does kind of need to be said, I think, is I think just the overall conception of witches and witchcraft, like we really need to in talking about what went on in Salem, like we really need to understand what a witch even was to them, because when we think about witchcraft now and like how witchcraft is practiced and like people who like refer to themselves as witches we we think of a, a very interesting mix of both like magical things and magical thinking and also just like pagan roots like yeah. pagan belief systems and in you know these things can be mixed together in a lot of different ways there are so many so many directions, so many subsets of quote unquote witchcraft that um, people identify as or practice today. But at the time of all these witch trials, the ideology was crafted on something that had very little basis in reality, which was this idea that witches are Satan's servants, mm. which, you know, some like nowadays, some people do work with the image of Satan as like a symbol for certain things, um, you know, that that imagery can be used. But when you think early, early, like witchcraft practices, so practices that could be like related to witchcraft, a lot of them come from like paganism, right? None of that really has to do with Satan, like Satan and Christianity. So don't tell them that. (laughs) Exactly. So you have this belief that these hyper Christian Puritans have created that witches are our servants of Satan, that they sell their souls in exchange for earthly pleasures. So shouts out to one of my favorite movies of all time, the witch that lived, lived deliciously, right? Like that's the mentality. These witches are selling their soul to the devil so that they can live a delicious life, which is particularly appealing in puritanical new england right because like they're not living like yeah yeah, they're not living a very delicious life like none of them are so it's this idea that witches sell their souls in exchange for different earthly pleasures and this deal is then documented in satan's book with blood Mm. um 
And really all of this, this whole narrative, who knows there, there, there may have been some people that like, I don't know, maybe someone had a book and it had some blood in it somewhere, you know, like who knows what the real, like complete story is where, where all of this came from. But for the most part, this narrative was really just a power play by Christianity to destroy paganism. And this isn't just in New England. This is also in that's Europe, called right? history. Yeah, yeah, that's history. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is witch trials one on one. Basically, it's like creating a narrative that witchcraft is something attached to Satan and that it must be it must be banished. It must, you know, it's evil when really a lot of people who maybe were practicing something akin to what could be considered witchcraft aren't even engaged in these belief systems. Right. Right. So it's really just another example of Christian propaganda, right? Like we're putting, we're putting this propaganda on this concept of witchcraft. We're telling you it's evil. We're telling you they are literally Satan's servants in a very literal, literal way. They have met Satan and talked to him and given him their souls. Like, and if you believe that narrative, that's terrifying, right? right? So it's really easy to see the jump, right? The jump from there to we're doing something righteous and good by killing these witches. I also, I've always had this this goofy thought about Satan's book. And I'm glad we're here talking about signing <laughs> any of the book. I've always thought like of like a, a modern day version of it, of just like this really unpopular kid with a cast <laughs> asking people to sign his cast. Aww. And if you're caught signing this kid's cast, you're shunned. Yeah, I love that. I really like that. Actually, I'm gonna write that. No one steal that. Yeah, we we're gonna, please we don't got steal a lot my of idea. concepts. We just threw out some good concepts. Um, we've got we've got spectral law and order, right? And, got, <laughs> and then we got Satan's cast. I love it. Satan's <laughs> cast. Isn't that nice? That is nice. I think yeah. that's a really cute idea. I think. Yeah, we've got some stories to write. We got some scripts to write, man. Um. <laughs> but you're talking about Christianity. You know, uh, you're talking about you know the Christians' crusade against yeah. all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's it's fascinating. Like just like in all these history examples of, uh, they're quick to point fingers. They're quick to burn down things. But the second it comes close to home, uh oh. Not, not so much anymore. It's exactly what happened uh, towards the end of this with Governor Phipps, who was largely responsible for creating the special court uh, to hear all these cases. In response to Mather, who I mentioned earlier, president of Harvard said, better, you know, that 10 suspected witches should escape and one innocent person be condemned. In response to that, and I don't think in any small way, also in response to his own wife starting to be questioned for witchcraft, he then prohibited further arrests. So he released all the accused witches and dissolved the court on October 29th. He's like, he, we're done here. We're done. My <laughs> wife? No. No, this is... No, this has gone too far. <laughs> this has gone far too far. Yeah. Phipps would eventually pardon all those who are currently in prison on witchcraft charges by May of that next year. So that was October. By May the next year. But the damage had been done. 19 people were hung. 71 men, which we'll get to, Giles, was pressed to death with heavy stones. And several people died in jail. 
He sure was. He sure was. And multiple people died overall accused of the devil's magic. Fucking wild. Yeah. And now there's in Salem, like a memorial to them. We've been there. We saw it. It's Their a nice names. memorial. It is a nice memorial. You kind of get to walk or like you walk around like through a path and like kind of a little circle and other names and like people like come and leave offerings and stuff on all of them. They do. Yeah. There's flowers it's nice. there. And each, it's like a bunch of benches, like a little park, but each of the yeah. benches are like their little gravestones. Uh, yeah. Cause that's an important, another important thing to mention because they were quote unquote, witches. they were denied, you know, a good Christian burial. Exactly. So a lot of them were just fucking thrown places, which I mean, I've said it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. That's exactly what I want you to do with my body. I just want to be thrown into you want to be earth. thrown places. I really do. Just throw me. Just throw me into the forest. Like that's you want to really... be in one place or multiple. That could go. Oh, that could be cool. Um, <laughs> I just want to return to the forest floor. I just want I don't want to be in any container. I just want to like return to the dirt. That is what I really want. So like a Christian burial is not appealing to me. But at the time, it was a very cruel thing to do. Right. Because right. we don't know where the real graves of a lot of these people are they kind of just got like tossed aside there have been people kind of doing work trying to see if they can locate where some of these people's bodies remains were or where they got they were thrown there's actually a really good documentary i watched on youtube and it's by the smithsonian and um it's america's hidden stories salem secrets Mm. and it's really fun because they do they they use a lot of technology and stuff to one discover where in Salem the hangings actually took place. We didn't know exactly where the hangings took place, but with like a lot of different evidence and stuff and like, you know, just being detectives in this documentary, they have a, a pretty good idea. Like they they come up with a pretty good conclusion of where the hill was where people were hung were publicly hung because that's also a huge part of these like witch trials is it was a fucking spectacle like it was a the hangings were spectacles like people came out and watched and like it was it was like it literally was like weird dramatic entertainment you know so in this documentary they find Uh, where they believe the hangings took place. And then they also find where they think certain bodies may have been left. And one of them is actually in an area where there is now a school. And so they think that like with all the infrastructure and like the things that had to be like leveled for the school that it probably took over any remains but uh, but yeah, they think that one of the schools in Salem maybe was built where some of the bodies were left, which is really interesting. That's spooky. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of a lot of um, like historians and and in different academics have really been working hard up until, you know, recent years like this. They just determined where the hill was, where they hung people in 2017. So this is like new information. That took a minute. Yeah, it took some time. So I don't know. It's it's a really it's a cool episode from the Smithsonian. It's on YouTube. I suggest watching it. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, so there's I mean, there's people there's there's people out there still just like really doing work to piece together this mystery, why it happened, what really went down. 
also trying to give some honor to these people who, yeah, weren't given honorable burials and weren't, you know, were treated as less than human, basically. Yep. One person that got a dishonorable burial to the point where we don't even know where his body is was Mr. Giles Corey. Giles? Giles? How do you say it? I feel like it's Giles, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Giles? Giles? We're going to call him Corey. Because... (laughs) I like, I don't know. I like his first name though. Me too. Giles. Big fan. Big fan. Giles. But his baptismal record says Corey. So we're going to. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> he's pretty, he's pretty infamous for being the, the 70 year old, 71 year old man who was pressed to death. Uh, he was accused as was his wife, his third wife of uh, witchcraft, but he neither pled guilty nor not guilty. So they were at an impasse. He's keeping them guessing. (laughs) Keep them guessing because you could not put someone on trial if they did not plead one way or the other at the time. So I'm not going to lie. I respect that. That's a power move. I think if I was, if I was in this situation, if I was accused of witchcraft in Salem, uh, end of the 17th century, I think I would just I think I would just go full like absurd absurdist like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be annoying and yeah. I'm just gonna make it difficult and I'm just gonna like like lean into it like lean into the whole situation because I'm I'm not getting out of this alive oh, you know like well, <laughs> that's exactly what Mr. Corey did <laughs> no exactly in a pretty hardcore way yeah <laughs> What they did was they stripped him down, placed wood boards over his body and started stacking rocks. And for two days, he was asked three times to enter a plea. But each time he replied, more weight. <laughs> He's like, more weight on you him. guys. <laughs> Keep it coming. <laughs> Keep it coming. So one point, uh, one of the people trying to get the plea, uh, the sheriff stood on the stones himself. So not only did you have just a bunch of heavy stones and boards, you had the sheriff on top of you yelling down <laughs> plea. And he's saying more weight. <laughs> I mean, it's, come on. Like, it's like it's a pretty, it's like a horrific image and just an absurd situation. Exactly. Like, like he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> like he's just going all in. Corey's wife, Martha, was hanged three days after his death, September 22nd, 1692. Um, You also, you missed the part where while he's being, he was being crushed to death, his tongue, like literally popped out and they had to poke it back in. And they had to poke it back into his face. Gross. (laughs) For real, though. Such a gruesome death. It is. It's it's really gruesome. It's it's one of the crazier deaths I've ever heard of. Like honestly, it's but so there's wild. there's some more absurd stuff in here uh, that I would like to highlight. One before this ever happened, this was when he was younger. He one of his indentured servants. <laughs> he beat so bad he was unconscious and did not take this person to receive medical attention until ten days later where the person eventually died. Punishment he was given was just a fine for using unreasonable force. Not that he killed him. That's one way to put it. Because corporal punishment was permitted against indentured servants. He was exempt from the charge of murder. So talk about, that's where we're at right now. Like what a baller to end this guy had, but he wasn't a good dude is what we're also getting at. You know, furthermore- But also like, I don't know. 
I mean, we're not going to go down this path, but I am vehemently opposed to the death penalty in all capacities. So he wasn't a good dude. Doesn't he didn't deserve to get crushed to death. I don't think anyone deserves at least not for witches, you know? (laughs) Well, I don't think anyone deserves it for any reason. I don't think we should kill people like, like we just yeah. shouldn't kill people like I think he shouldn't have killed people either. He yeah. shouldn't have either. But the response to someone killing someone is not I kill you now. Like you got to go back in time and go, everyone just stop it all around. Like, it's just it's such an absurd. It, yeah, yeah. Like it's just yeah, so vile on every level. Like, yeah, you know, not a good dude. Um, But like doesn't sound like any of these dudes were good dudes. No. I think. I think a lot of people were doing horrific things at this time, to be honest. But this is this part really stuck out to me, too. This is from the, the Wikipedia entry about the aftermath of his death. It's speculating that the gruesome public nature of his death may have been a, a catalyst for the residents of Salem to go. Maybe we're we have lost the plot here. You know, maybe yeah. we shouldn't be doing this in 1712 which this was 1692, 1712, Corey was absolved of his crime. Although his wife, Martha, who was hanged, was not. She's still on the hook. Yeah, no, I read that too. Like, for some reason, we haven't absolved all of them yet. Like, and they just did a, they just absolved a bunch of them like 10 years ago, but not all of them. I'm like, why? We can just do this in one go. Like, I can't believe that there are still people from the witch trials that haven't been absolved. Like, just just write it on your piece of paper. Do whatever you need to do. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It gets sillier even then, too, because the two, um, Martha had a son from a previous marriage. And the son's name was Thomas, and he was the, the sole petitioner for loss of damages resulting from the mother being executed. So he was awarded 50 pounds 30 years later as a, sorry. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Anyway, there's now legends that there's a curse of Giles Corey where this question shows up. And um, because so, after all that, wasn't it like every like sheriff in Salem or some shit had a heart attack or something? Like there's a whole thing with like a curse with Giles Corey. Well, Corin definitely did. He was the one that stood on the. the, the yeah. Yeah. You know. But then like other like other sheriffs, I think, had heart attacks. And that's where that's why it's called a curse, like because it like happened to multiple after that. Oh, you're right. That it was the curse of Giles Corey. The, the sheriff of Essex County had either a string of them of holders of the office had either died of or resigned as a result of heart or blood ailments like heart attacks. That's spooky. The curse was broken, though, but the sheriff's office was moved from Salem to Middletown in 1991. Well, that's even spookier. Yeah, yeah. I was like, let's get it out of here. You know what? Let's just move this office somewhere else and then boom, fixed. Like that does not disprove the curse. That's how you that's how you outrun a curse. Man. Um, Yeah, there's so. The specifically uh, Giles Corey's whole story. There's a really good episode of Drunk History about it. Yeah, Um, it's the Halloween episode in season five, which is a favorite episode. So, yeah, Drunk Drunk History History. fans, you got to check it out. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We kind of flew through it, but even we didn't really fly through it. We we, we talked a long time about it. But oh, one other story to bring up: one of the people who was hanged. A George Burroughs, who was a minister, was hanged for witchcraft. 
It was an actual minister. And as right before he was to be hanged, he recites the Lord's Prayer out loud, which according to be able to have to do. Yeah. According to like, go back to where all this started. They were saying you can't if you recite the Lord's Prayer. You're off then the you're not. Yeah, you're not a witch because witches aren't supposed to be able to recite the Lord's Prayer. That was like a thing at like the beginning, like one of the first people that was getting accused. And then towards the end, you've got George Burroughs and he's up there about to get hanged and he recites it, fucking recites the whole thing, doesn't miss a beat. And so people who are watching his public hanging like are start to freak out and they're like, let him down. Like what? Like he's he's not supposed to be able to do that. And then there, yeah. And then there's this whole, I think, I think it's Cotton Mather who steps in. I think it is Cotton Mather. I could be wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure Cotton Mather steps in and then he fucking spins some kind of bullshit about how this is just like Satan, uh, tricking us. And so he's just totally going back oh. on what he said about the Lord's Prayer. And then they hung him anyways. Like, what the fuck? It's almost like it wasn't about that at all. I know. <laughs> almost. Right? Like, it's quite it a reach like here. That's not what it was about at all. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, uh, my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of a b- bummer history. I think, it, w- w- do you have any more on the, the Salem witch trials uh, before we go into some like inspiration, some works from it, some fun facts about Salem? Um, I Yeah, I just have one really good fact, I, I guess, that I yeah. want to share. As many as 100 million Americans may be descended from the accused of witchcraft in Salem. Jesus. 100 million Americans... We are the daughters like, of witches. That that shit messes with my brain. Like thinking about like just how we descend. Like because I was like, that's not possible. It's not that many people. But it, I mean, math. Like you just look at it was seventeen hundred. That's, that's math. Is what that is. Like that was a long time ago. Like we've we've got quite the tree coming down from those people now, and yeah, as many as fucking a hundred million Americans. Like that is so interesting. That's interesting. So who won in the end? You know, <laughs> this fleet, this armada of witches. And this, this armada of witches. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. That blew my mind. I was like, hot damn. That's crazy. All of this still blows my mind. And we're, we've obviously skipped over a lot of this history. Highly encourage you to, um, you know, look this up. It has plenty of books and writings and uh, you can even visit Salem. You can watch a full, like we did, you can go to the Salem Dun- Witch Dungeon Museum and watch oh. a full play. Oh, the Witch Dungeon Museum. You know, Witch Dungeon Museum, you they, can watch a play of them reenacting one of the trials. Yeah, they uh, they they do a lovely reenactment, and then you get to go into, into the, the dungeon. fucking dungeon and um, check out some some just crude historical reenactments you know set up for you within within the dungeon walls which i think about that experience often i do too (laughs) what a fever dream that was like it really was it's wild it's a wild little place (laughs) highly recommend salem um we'll be back again this year we'll get more content and we'll yeah call out this episode uh we probably should have saved this episode for that um <laughs> maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a like a part two 
and we'll give you more yeah. details. I think um, there was uh, before we get into um, some like inspiration, because I have a bunch of there's a lot of works that were kind of based off of uh, these wish trials. Did you know? Well, one, it's 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 interesting that Salem was recognized for these trials because Salem was also home to a lot of other things too, like Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote the Scarlet Letter, um, lived in Salem. So that's a that's a big piece of American literature is that that Salem could be known for. There was it was a big seaport town. It was also the home of Parker Brothers, which this this is spooky. Parker Brothers, the the game company, made board games like uh, Risk and Monopoly and the Ouija board. Going back to oh. our Ouija episode, that the Parker oh. Brothers originated in Salem, Massachusetts. I love that coincidence, probably, but it was. <laughs> It's no such though. thing as coincidence, my friend. <laughs> God, devil wins again. Like... <laughs> devil wins again. <laughs> Works. Some uh, some movies, books, all stuff based on. Movies. We got the Crucible. That's yeah. The big I was one. gonna say like we That's all read one. it. We all read it in. The, all read like, it. We probably seen it. Grade. The Community Crucible. Love it. Community theaters do love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's real. It's kind of a miracle that I've never been in one. I think I have. I think I've been in the Crucible. Yeah. I think I have. Like when I was like in middle school, maybe. I was in a production of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, that's fun. I was the town drunk. (laughs) Also fun. (laughs) Age 13. (laughs) Anyway, other works that were based off of uh, the Salem Witch Trials that you can see today. Obviously, The Crucible. Um, Hocus Pocus, largely mm-hmm. not about the Salem witch trials, but uh, filmed in Salem, Massachusetts, um, and about three witches. Not not that much of a reach. <laughs> Be sure to check out our Hocus Pocus episode where we go through all that. Uh, Lords of Salem is another one. Rob Zombie movie, which might be my favorite Rob Zombie movie. I'm not saying it's an amazing movie. I'm saying it's my favorite Rob Zombie. Movie, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, all about you know the descendants of witches and, and uh, all that good stuff. We got the witch the autopsy of Jane Doe, which I'll always bring that movie up. Spooky, spooky stuff. The Covenant. Do you remember the Covenant? No. This was 2006, like spooky PG-13 screen gem sort of thing. I don't know if it was mm. screen gems, but it felt like that. But it was about the these cool bad boy high schoolers who were the sons of Ipswich. And they were the descendants of witches. Ooh. So like you got hot young high school boys that got in on the fun, you know, like, and they had powers and they were like, <laughs> nice. I remember <laughs> seeing it in high school and thinking like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. And then I was doing research and I looked back and I'm like, that was a movie, wasn't it? You know? <laughs> I watched a scene earlier from the movie, like a clip on YouTube about, you know, psychic bullying where they're just behind or they're just like making hot faces and their hair is going and they're forced telekinated anyway it's goofy the covenant paranorman beautiful movie i love paranorman Paranorman might be i love the best movie ever made Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) it might be paranorman i'm not saying it it might be um beautiful little story paranorman is oh it's so 
it's so good. Also, like shouts out to Paranorman, because I remember when Paranorman first came out, this was like I think it was one of our earlier examples of a kid's movie that had a queer character. Like that's becoming more normalized now, which is fucking fabulous. But like it wasn't at all for most of time. And then Paranorman has like a beautiful gem of like a surprise queer character. And I remember I remember like when it came out, just being like, I'm so like, I love this. Like, yeah, yeah, good for them. That was perfect. Like, yeah, um, yeah, might be the first. I don't know if this is a wrong statistic. Prove me wrong, please. But if I am, but like, I think that's the first example of a gay character in an animated feature. Like, yeah, it might be like it. I remember it being like like out. And yeah, it was exactly. It was a moment of like, yeah, not a queer coded character, like just a, I like a queer character that says that they are at some point in the right. movie like that. It just wasn't happening at that time. And I remember just being like so excited. I was like, yes, you know, oh, yeah. and now, yeah, we're starting to see more and more of that. But yeah, shout out Paranorman. Damn, God, I watch Paranorman tonight. Love that movie. Um, <laughs> there's also some TV Salem. There's a three season show on WGN called Salem. I never said, did you watch Salem? I did not. I also, there's a, I don't know if it's still running, but I see ads on it on the trains. Motherland Fort Salem. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. From what I, I've also not seen this show. So please write in and let us know what you think about either of these shows. But uh, from Salem, I understand is maybe like a reenactment sort of like fantasy sort of version of, of Salem. But Motherland Fort Salem is like a alternate history where. Uh, they recruit the witches of Salem to be, to lead the armies of America. And like, that's about as far as I got. Sounds kind of cool though. Um, Interesting. And then we got American Horror Story Coven. A lot of witches there. Yeah. They're the descendants from Salem witches, you know? So yeah, that's a, I made a quick, like, off the top of my head list of like, eh, they're all connected. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, I yeah, if you want more just on the the Salem Witch Trials, literally YouTube search Salem Witch Trials. The first like three documentaries that pop up are all solid. Like they're really yeah. good, just like solid um, like Smithsonian. I think History Channel has one like really good. Um, I have this book that is very fun. It's the Penguin Book of Witches. Oh, yeah, that's been um, on my wish list for a while. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because mostly what this book is, because it's a collection, it's a collection of documents, essentially, mostly what this book is, is like literally like the court transcripts from witch trials. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Like it's like a lot of that. So it's like the it's just it's the, the like I have the court transcript of Giles Corey like. That's fat. I didn't know that's what that book was. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's like, so there's um basically like some documents taken from essentially just like early texts about witchcraft, like demonology and like, you know, those. And then it's yeah, broken into sections chronologically. Yeah. So you've got like in- English antecedents, which are just like texts that led to witch trials, essentially. Uh-huh. And then the early colonies. Salem then after Salem (laughs) so like so it's um yeah it's just a bunch of texts related to to the trials of of witches 
in America. And it's it's pretty interesting. It sounds sure. fascinating. I would yeah. like to read that. Yeah, it's very cool. Speaking of the the court records and all that, I think it's also fascinating to note that in Salem, Massachusetts, which I got from this interview from a season with the witch great book again i'll ping that because throughout the book you learn a lot about the town and a lot about the history of the witch trials Mm -hmm. peripherally by his descriptions and in this book he's interviewing gosh someone that works at the peabody essex museum there yeah yeah and they the peabody essex museum this person Quote says, yes, we have the only authentic items from the witch trials in the city. However, we are a museum of art and culture, not a museum of social history. So any connection whatsoever with the witch trials is a complete non-starter. But the truth is the tourist would rather spend twice as much at the museum admission to do schlocky things in Salem instead, which I don't agree with. Yeah, no, as someone uh, that, I mean, you like, you just like pinpointed like <laughs> as someone who's been in like the art history space and like museums and oh. all of that, you just like pinpointed everything that pisses me off about that culture. And like, it's the fucking high mindedness, like, fuck you. Like, yeah. of, of course people want to see these objects. Like, and also what is the difference between culture and social history yeah they're the same goddamn thing like what are you talking about they spent a lot of time in that makes me angry (laughs) that chapter i remember reading that chapter and that that that's if anyone's from salem listening to the podcast and want to chime in on what their thoughts on i'd be fascinated to know because as an outsider i want to see these records i want that's that's i want to go to salem i would love to see that and it like frustrates me as a as a you know exactly and if that that's just held hostage in a basement you know exactly if if it's really important to how you want your institution to be or like be represented then give those objects to someone else to a different institution like don't just hold on to them and yeah keep them hostage from the public that wants to see them i'm like everything about that is just gross like it like the point of being a museum professional is you're supposed to be sharing these things right. with the public because for educational value for like that like there is so much value value in those objects and i i don't know it pisses me off that it, that they referred to that to them as schlocky like these are these are really important objects to to really really important history like what are you talking about i think they were saying people will spend twice as much in salem admission to do schlocky things and that they wouldn't spend that to do this which i would say they would love to do both i would love to go to dungeon witch museum yeah exactly it's i don't know i think it's creating an unnecessary divide yeah um like i hate the divide between anything deemed high and low culture it it's the 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 surest way to get me worked up is to start like preaching on like high culture versus low culture like shut up like like people let like people can enjoy things from various vantage points it's fine it's not a problem if you don't want to go spend money doing the quote unquote schlocky activities in the haunted houses, then don't. That's fine. That's your right as a person. But like you don't need to judge 
people's desire to do those things as the same as them not wanting to engage with historical artifact. Like why, why would you separate those two things? Like it doesn't make any sense. It makes me very angry. I'm passionate about this. I want to fight that person. (laughs) Uh, So did the author of this book. It is spicy because it keeps going back around like, yeah, but like, you you have it don't you think just put it in one of these houses that peabody essex museum yeah. has like a historical house make a whole thing of it and they're like no we are an arts and culture i hate it i hate it and that is arts and culture that 100 percent falls under arts and culture like what are you talking about uh uh anyways they i even- i could I yeah. could go off about this for a very long time so we should- <laughs> even there's there's a, not like a I don't know if, if, I'm, if I'm being fair, but like in that article, in that interview, they were, they would talk about how, you know, when in, in October where there's just right out, we've been to Salem, there's the Peabody Essex Museum right there on that main street. There's tons of spooky stuff like haunted happenings and there's a fair, there's all these houses and shops. Um, and they say in that, that like at that point of like 400,000 people walk and walk by and 50 people will come in and they're like almost complaining. And the person's writing the book, like, yeah, but they would come in. <laughs> on the sign it said the only salem <laughs> fucking exactly like, like what are you, you want to see the artifacts come on in but yeah, they won't I do mean, it i like i love an art museum but if i am there doing haunted happenings like i don't know that i'm going to spend my time going to look at contemporary art because there's already so much stuff to do that feels so central to salem you know like so it's like, yeah, like that is going to be the grab for that festival because that's what the festival's about. Like, yeah. why wouldn't, you know, like people are there because they have interest in that topic. And maybe instead of like making yourself out to be all high and mighty, you can just like understand and respect that people have interest in these objects and like you have ownership over them, which is honestly just a fucking travesty. It feels like, like why, why, why should people who don't appreciate those objects get to own them? Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Nope. Makes me mad. It makes me mad. Makes me mad because it's an important piece of history. Exactly. If that person is still in charge, I'm going to walk into the Peabody Essex Museum this, this, during our trip. And I'm going to be like, I want to talk to this person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably wouldn't be the first time this right. book they sell it everywhere and it's like a hot chapter in the book so yeah um, i should i should try and get them on the podcast and then i'm just gonna like it's like guerrilla warfare oh right yeah like, no, I'm just gonna, <laughs> exactly just gonna like interrogate gotcha. them <laughs> gotcha <laughs> it is it's gonna be i've never gotcha to anyone but i will gotcha that person <laughs> people do not enjoy getting gotcha i know and i've i've never i've literally never done it in my years of podcasting i'm not interested but i feel passionately about this situation we see these documents um <laughs> release the tapes well this is a i mean it's fun talking it's a fascinating bit of history it's an important bit of american history they also this book also makes the the argument that in 1692 the american you know the horror was born you know that like 1776 nation was founded but 1692 that was the first example of like our own bit of folk horror you know like yeah totally um, totally that a lot yeah. of it so know, so yeah from. it is it's it's such a it's such a foundational happening 
in American history. It's crazy. Yep. Like, it's if nuts. you can ever get out to Salem, get out there. It's uh, fun. It's a good, great time. It's a good time. I'm so looking forward to our trip in a few well, short more content months. for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, knows, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I feel like that'll be a good opportunity for some like TikTok action. I haven't done anything on the TikTok in a long time. Maybe we'll make some TikToks in maybe Salem. We'll get TikTok famous. <laughs> maybe. maybe you don't know. <laughs> You're right. I don't know. <laughs> we'll do like a dab or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so. Or even on TikTok, Ryan. <laughs> no, I am not. Well, uh, any last notes on the Salem Witch Trials before we wrap up today? No, no. It's a good conversation. Good little chat. It's good to be back um, making the Happy Harvest Horror Show episodes for y'all. We're going to be back for some more not too long from now. Before we go, just wanted to remind you all about Happy Harvest Horror Show's book club. If you'd like to join us where this month we are reading the Paul Bearers Club, just go to anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support. Joining at any level gets you into our book club. Just shoot us an email afterward and say, hey, get me in there. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> um, it's exactly how it will happen. Yeah, truly. <laughs> and... You have to you have to send an audio file, though, and you have to say it in that deep voice. You have to go get me in there. That's the get me in there. <laughs> like uh, yeah. in, in uh, Shutter Island, Leonardo DiCaprio at the beginning of the movie, splashing water on his face. He's like, pull yourself together, Teddy. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly like that. <laughs> All right. Well, this thanks for joining us for our uh, Salem Witch Trials discussion. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys next. Uh, hopefully very soon for another episode. Our 50th episode coming what? up. This is number 49. So 50. What? Hopefully we'll have something good or not. It'll be spooky. That's for sure. <laughs> It'll be spooky. <laughs> Until next time. Hope y'all stay spooky. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>